and in three, two, one. Got with me here, Drew. How goes it? Oh, it, it, it's going pretty good. Um, this last few days has just been a total kind of like um, eBay rampage. I've been trying to make my 10K goal by the day I got here nice. to do the podcast. And you did. And I did. I'm at $10,295 today. That's awesome. Took uh, 204 sales to get there. Um, mainly just like Walmart, uh, Dollar Tree items. I kind of uh, utilized the garage sales this summer, even though there was only a few of them due to COVID. Sailing it up. Uh, how much time out of your data? Sorry. Some guests talk really quiet and some guests talk really loud. I'm still dying. Like I have to guess before the guests get here. I'm like, should I max out the mic? But you're, you, you have good mic. Like some people end up talking like this far away. So I have to like crank it up, but then it's too loud. So way off tangent, but uh, how much time in your day does it take it? Like to, to buy the items, post them, ship them, message people back and all that stuff. Well, so I would say it takes as much time as I want to put in it, you know? Mm. Um, the easiest part is selling the item and shipping the item. Uh, the hardest part is like consistently buying items at an affordable enough price for me to profit after expenses and shipping. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm pretty much constantly every single day I make my rounds to, you know, Walmart, Ross, Home Depot, Lowe's, Best Buy. You go um, to every single one of these stores every day? Pretty much every day? Uh, like at least twice a week. Holy cow. At least twice a week, yeah. Yeah. So like St. Vincent de Paul, for example, I know that they uh, changed their color tag on uh, Tuesdays. And so I'll go there Monday and scout out everything I want to buy in the morning because yeah. of their color rotation. Or same like with Home Depot, they're putting clearance items out there like once a week. And so over the course of 90 days, 214-ish sales, you made uh 10k yeah 10k in sales and sales and then after because i mean so many people on like instagram reddit tiktok always post like 100k in sales Sales. but it's like really that's not a really good metric that's not a good metric so profit wise i think only because i hit so many garage sales and my margins on garage sale items are just insane nice um i'm probably close to like five and a half k profit on this 10k maybe 6k yeah um most of the year when I'm just doing retail arbitrage from like Walmart, you know, and garage like the, sale season's like your garage time sale year, season's huge, you know. Nice. That's when a state sale. Oh yeah. A state sales I honestly kinda stay away from. Really? Seems like people are dying all year round. They're, Seems like that'd be your bread and butter. They're dying all year round, but what I've noticed is I've been to a few just this last month mm-hmm. and it seems like now they have these local companies that kind of capitalize on that. And so they go in, they contact the family and they completely take over everything. Mm. And they're really I wouldn't say good with their pricing, but they they're pretty up to date on what things are worth. Yeah, and so they're so in it's their, not like a garage sale by like bereft uh, family members. It's more of like an actual organization. It's an organization that comes in, and the family's trying to get as much money as they can. Yeah. So there's not usually a lot of room for me to make profit. On, you know. Damn. Um, the few things I see there that if I had like a bigger shop and a truck is furniture. Yeah. I see super nice Can't like really handmade. Ship that, so then you have to like sell stuff. So do you enjoy like the process of selling stuff? Yeah. So I only just recently got on eBay. Can I b- take the mic. I'm gonna put it like right there, Golden. Um, I've always. I think I started when I was 14, um, selling on Craigslist, um, and then I do offer up. Facebook Marketplace, and only recently did I just start really pushing 
The eBay thing? eBay life. eBay life, yeah. After watching a few YouTubers like Reezy Resales, Walter Blake Noblock, who I recommend everybody to. Nice. He's like a good person if you're trying to get into retail arbitrage for the first mm -hmm. time. I'm surprised you didn't hop, hop on like uh, Ethereum and NFTs like immediately. It seems like you're... So forte. I kind of jumped into the Bitcoin game. I mean, not to like change gears, but I, I, I hopped into the Bitcoin game when I was 18. So wow. seven years ago. Nice. And at this point, I've made almost $60,000 on Bitcoin mining. Score. It was kind of just happen chance. I was on Facebook on this computer group called My Extreme PC. At the time, Bitcoin, it wasn't really hugely talked about. You know, this is like probably 2015, 2014. Yeah, it's pretty small. Like it's pretty small, you Late know. 2017. And I just kind of saw what I thought at the time to be a bullshit post. Someone said that you can make money just using your graphics card. Yeah. And I was like, okay, sure. And the program, it was called Nice Hash Miner. And so I just, I clicked on their link and I typed in my graphics card and my cost of the electricity at the time, which, which was your like parents five cents. Did you just not even tell your parents? No, I lived in my own apartment at 18. Wow. Yeah. And so. Um, young out. Young out. Uh, I kind of had to. But um, where is I at with this? So I realized. By clicking on the link, it told me that my GTX 970 graphics card I had at the time would profit me about $6 a day after electricity costs. And I was like, all I got to do is download this miner and... Six bucks a day? Press score. start, score, yeah. you know? And, Absolutely. And so the first month I did it, you know, and I had like the 180, 200-ish dollars. And I cashed out and bought two more GTX 970s, slotted them into my computer, yeah. you know, month two, you know, you, you do the math, that's $18 a day times 30. Score. And Since then, and then the price triples, quadruples. Well, the price was kind of stable there for a minute, you know. I remember I first started, it was like 3000 a Bitcoin or something like that, or 4000 and um, I was just cashing out every single month. Hmm. I didn't think it would be a long-term investment. Oh, you were cashing out. So you didn't hold any Bitcoin at the time? No, at the time, no. I cashed out every single month. Yeah. And I bought more hardware every single month. That's funny. So the like month three, I went and bought a whole other computer because on each computer, you can only attach like three graphics cards because the PCI slots. Mm -hmm. And um, I think by like month three or four, I had probably 10 graphics cards going and I ran into the problem. You know, I didn't know anything about electricity in houses. My breaker kept flipping. Yeah. Because I learned that, you know, you can only run, I think it's like 15 amps through a circuit. So I'm like, oh God, okay, how do I establish or like, how do I fix this problem yeah. and try to get this mine established? So I did my research, talked to my crazy neighbor. He said to run an extension cable from my... Uh, from my bathroom because it's on an it's on an opposing circuit mm -hmm. and that kind of held me by and then at this point i was making probably 70 80 dollars a day off bitcoin Score. and when you're 18 you're making a salary literally i mean i was working at goodwill at the time yeah. you know back when minimum back when minimum wage was i was making nine ten an hour mm -hmm. you know so i mean that was so much money i kind of just didn't really know what to do with it at the time you know just young and dumb yeah. i moved um at 20 years old i moved into the uh, two-bedroom apartment i'm in now right. and i had like twelve thousand dollars in cash that's how 
I was able not to get, in Bitcoin, <laughs> not in Bitcoin in yeah. cash. I kept cashing out and yeah. that's how I was able to get into the apartment I'm in now it's because I didn't have like the rental history or anything, but on, I'm like, on hey, your rental application, what's your job? I mine Bitcoin. I mine Bitcoin. <laughs> so I'm going to wreck your outlets. How about that? But yeah, and but it's stable income. It was stable. And then I remember, I think it was 2018, 2019 um, and mining. They refer to it as like the difficulty in in the mining hash yeah. it was like or like the, the happening or whatever yeah like the difficulty yeah. the difficulty increases and it was quickly becoming not profitable mm, bummer and so i also broke my foot at the same time how so it just kind of seemed logical okay cash out the rest of my bitcoin sell all my sell all my graphics cards you know all my racks of gtx 1080s at the time yeah try to pay off some of my medical because that was like a thirty thousand dollar expense Oh my God. And the two years before I broke my foot, I kind of just used the Bitcoin money to like experience life, you know, yeah. to kind of go out and I wouldn't say party, but kind of party, you know, nice. like yeah. it's not often that you're 20 with fucking 20 that, much money. With that much money, you know, passively, but a broken foot. So parties, well, I broke my foot at like 23. Like, okay. So for three years, I kind of just kicking a rock or what happened? A $30,000 medical fee at that age. I mean, that's yeah. debilitating for someone yes. who's like grinding that hard. Yes. And so I had been grinding that hard. I had kind of spent down to the last of it. You know, I had like probably six or 7,000 bucks just doing odd jobs. You know, I work for a friend's house moving company or, you know, just kind of floating because I have this money to pay my bills. Um, you know, it's fun to go to bonfires. It's fun to hang out with people all the time. Just not have any responsibility. Would you just always come with alcohol? Or you're like you're just like the life of the party, I imagine. Well, only because I had stuff that people wanted. You know what I mean? I became the guy that was like it's kind of illegal, but I was selling like Rolling Rocks and Paps Blue Ribbons at every single party. I'd roll up there with the two twenty four packs. That's funny. And just be the bong guy and Paps Blue Ribbon guy. Nice. You know, it's hilarious. Every single out, you're partying. You're still selling. Yeah, so exactly. You, you must have really grabbed it. It's because because I told so many people, you're one of the only people who actually buy your own copy of The Greatest Salesman in the World. So it seems like you were like made for that book where it's all about I selling in every aspect of your that, life. Honestly, reading that, I honestly felt like it was like for me in an odd sense. I know it's not, but in an odd sense, I felt like it was kind of a lot of the answers I've been looking for just even this last six months of trying to make a lot of really big grand changes. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really have like a guidebook, I guess, to go on. You know, I've read other, I've read other so-called self-help so books. So many of them are so bad. And, you know, there's bits and pieces. There's nuggets of truth. You know, there's nuggets of wisdom I can gain. But I feel like this book, just like every single paragraph is basically a nugget. You know, there's just. It's solid. It's so solid. Nice. And, and you said scroll too. So you've been doing it. You, you may be one of the only people. Most people give it to read it all the way through in one. So like, fuck it. Most people probably don't feel like it was made for them. But you've been reading it morning, afternoon, and out loud at night for a little over a month now. Yes. It's awesome, man. Um, originally that started, I was reading it to my partner and to my dad, uh, just to get through the first seven chapters. I would read it aloud to both of them. Mm -hmm. And they kind of, I guess they were interested, but not really like I was. And it was hard for me to find time with both of them there to read it. So, I mean, it took me probably a week and a half to get to, like, chapter five. Which is just the uh, the fiction part of it. Yeah, which the is fiction a fun part, story. Which is a great I'm story. I'm excited for the end. <laughs> and um, 
So it was taking time to just get through that because I was trying to coordinate both of them to be there to read it aloud to them. Totally. And so one night I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to read chapters six and seven myself. And then I read chapter eight. Scroll marked one. And then Today we get a new life. That was the like the fifth or sixth of last month. Nice. And it kind of hit me. I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, tomorrow I kind of like, I have to do this. Yeah. You know, I can't really just, I can't just read this out loud, hear myself say it, and then not do it. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's almost come to a point where, say, like, first thing I do in the morning is I hop on my inversion table and I read upside down. Wow. And then right before lunchtime, I read before lunch, not after lunch. Close enough. Close enough. And I I find myself now, if I'm doing something that's going to, like, I guess, hinder my ability to read when I'm supposed to, I start getting, like, anxious, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's almost become like literally it's a part of your life, a part of my life. Just like the book saying a massive part of my life. I like it. I'm on chapter six. I just started or scroll six and she just started scroll five. So we're roughly halfway through. It's wild. I don't think I've had this much uh, like regularity in any aspect. Like I've never had a habit that I do for six months, three times a day. So I'm like, for me, it's, it's just a massive change to show myself like, oh, it's possible to just read every Because before this, did you read? Like a lot? I read a lot. I, I honestly read so much growing up because it was kind of like my escape. Um, that growing or like um, as an adult, I kind of veered away from it because I feel like I just oh, overread, yeah. you, you know. And so, no, honestly, this is the first book which I picked up other than Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert T. Ah. Kiyosaki that I grabbed and I finished. What do you think of it? Robert T. Kiyosaki. I've read it twice now. Cool. So you liked it. I liked it. Um, honestly, it's it's a really unique perspective, and it kind of was a good frame for my life because I feel like I grew up with the typical poor dad and the kind of poor family who just makes poor decisions. You know, it's um, this might sound bad, but like a lot of my family is kind of the like camel cigarette, Mountain Dew drinking kind of don't really care about you know what made you different like, at what habits. age were you just like dude i'm gonna sell 24 7 every waking minute i'm gonna be making money like how did like did you just see and veer off the opposite direction do you have any siblings who follow your parents direction or more of yours so that's such a shift with the selling my dad he's he's an interesting character let's just say that and he uh he likes to hustle i'll just put it and he likes to sell things you know pawn shops he's like always been the classic like garage sale pawn shop kind of guy and he was trying to teach me a lesson at 14 and he told me about how expensive it is to live and how expensive I am and 14 yeah 14 you know and I was like okay and he's like well he's like if you're gonna live here I need help with the bills otherwise you're gonna go back to your mom's house you know he's just like I simply can't maintain it maintain it and I'm like okay <laughs> he's like, I want $300 a month. And, and I'm like, that's incredible. And he's like, that's only $10 a day. Reasonable. I was like, okay. And I remember he, um, he's like, why don't you try to sell stuff? You know, he's like, or you can go and mow the neighbor's lawn 
or he gave me the idea to pr or to spray paint people's addresses on their curb. Totally. The classics. The classics, you know? Yeah. And so I, w I went around with my Oregon duck colored spray paint nice. for a whole summer and did that. And I had two, I guess, landscaping clients at the time. Fun. You know, I mowed their lawn horribly. Um, <laughs> As a 14 year old would. Yeah. You know, and I don't think I made rent every month, but most, or I guess rent or bills, whatever, yeah, whatever, a 14 -year -old whatever it was, it, yeah. I guess. Um, almost every month. And a lot of what ended up making me my money is, I would take my shitty Kodak Easy Share camera at the time, and um, I had a junky Sony Vio laptop, and I would take pictures of anything, you know, a football and a basketball, picture frames, my old Vans shoes, yeah. anything, and I would just post them on Craigslist. Like a picture. A picture. Yeah. With a half-assed shitty... Um, title and description yeah. and my dad told me at the time uh he said how do you catch a fish and i said with or and he said with a fish hook the dynamite <laughs> right and i was like okay and he said how do you increase your odds of catching a fish more fish hooks mm. cool and cool. so i just started you know he's like just make tons of sale posts and figure it out kind of yeah and I started selling kind of out of like anxiety, you know, then not wanting to go back to your mom's. Yeah. Just not wanting to go back to my mom's. Do you just... talk to her, right? Like if she listens to this, will she take like offense by you saying that? Um, not a lot of people would like say, like, I get like some people very openly say my, stuff like that, but yeah. I love my mom. You know, I accept her as who she is. I'm very thankful for my place in this world. I you can't help people's choices. All you can do is really be there for someone. And sometimes I guess when people just don't have their mental taken care of, it can kind of, it's like we all present a certain energy and if their energy is just too bad, I guess, I don't want to put this in a bad way. You just don't want to spend time. You just don't want to be influenced and be around them. And Pretty like, much. Yeah. Would you be down to talk about like your origin story, your lore? I mean, your most, your most recent like post, was quite enlightening. Like when I read it, I was like, holy cow, I had no idea, you know? And it kind of directly relates to all this. Is it something you're open to talk about? Like just how you were born? Absolutely, and since then? absolutely. So would you like me to just like start from the beginning on yeah. that post essentially? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to have you kind of elaborate on it more because so many questions come up. I went to the comments, I'm like, do other people like have these? Like, like what, you know, what about this whole middle time and everything? Yeah, so I guess Starting off, you know, both my parents had addictions, currently still battle with them. And they were two young adults. You know, my mom, she was 19, running around partying, you know. My dad, he was like 30 years old. He's quite a bit older. He, he had just got out of the military. He had a rough upbringing. And so he had his first kind of chunk of money. Mm -hmm. He was doing well in his business and he was running around working hard full time and then really partying the other time, you know, yeah. not with not light partying either, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, and so was my mom and they kind of found each other in that uh, party kind of scene. Party sphere. Party sphere, you know, and yeah. back in the 90s, you know, things were, I guess, like today I think of party drugs as, you know, like mushrooms, acid, you know, that type of thing. Back then it was like cocaine, even still it's pretty prevalent. Methamphetamine was fucking huge. Yeah. And so that was my parents, you know, kind of thing of choice back then. And 
um, I was created out of that, you know, out of a party, out of a party, basically. Yeah. But they've know? been together kind of like, I mean, no. So they split when I was, you know, before I was born. Oh, wow. Know? So it was literally so like during the pregnancy, two crossing ships. Yeah. Two crossing ships. Yeah. And so I was kind of thrust into that. And so my mom kind of did her best to raise me in you know, I was like a single mother. Cause my dad, he he totally just took off and was at doing twenty. A, a single mother at twenty. Yeah, a single mom old. at twenty. That's yeah. young. That's, That's not even young. like a single mother at like thirty or something. Where it's like you've had footing for a decade. Yeah. It's like just as you're starting the world. Yeah, my dad, he 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 would come around, you know, but it was more like he'd come around, you know, like Christmases, birthdays, big events, times when he could like kind of make a memory, I guess. Interesting, um, yeah. I guess, you know, and... Busy guy. Yes. Um, like I'm going to make the most impactful memories as I can. Well, it worked because you have a friendship yeah. with him. Like, some people would be, like, really resentful and be like, oh, you weren't there, but... I've had to get over that, you know, with kind of both my parents because that'll kind of just hold you back, I found. It, it, it'll really hold you back. Um, it's a while. Most people are 50 still holding grudges. So that's wild that you're 25. Like, no, you just got to get over stuff like my that. My mom, uh, she met my stepfather who he is not the greatest fellow, but in a sense, as far as his work ethic, that's one person in my life at an early age I was able to pick up on the whole concept of work ethic from. Stability. Stability. Nice. And that's why my mom got with him in the first place. You know, his family is very well-to-do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a big jump going from a two-bedroom apartment in Thurston, Oregon, to a three-bedroom house out on River Road that's paid off, you know. And, Absolutely. And two brand-new Toyotas, you know. Wow. So it's a big change. And I feel like when you're kind of going to that type of environment out of necessity, it can kind of allow things that aren't the best to happen. That's all I'll really say. Yeah. You know, and it's not the best for a child, especially when that other person isn't really... To go to a better life out of necessity? I'm, just, I'm if, trying to be vague here because yeah, so I don't curious. like slamming on people you know what yeah. I mean yep. basically it was the typical stepdad experience mm, you know he tried to he tried to be there for me in the beginning as much as possible but then it was kind of clear he just like wanted nothing to do with me you know so they kind of pushed me off to family members like every year or two I'd be staying with an aunt mm. or my grandmother or my uncle then they'd have me back there for a summer or a school year type yeah. of thing. You As know? you've grown up, do you get that mindset more or would you fight against it and go the opposite direction? Like if you were in a position where you were a stepdad, would you like are you a place where you're like, Oh, I get it, like where you're like marrying the person, not like the whole family, or would you like do your best to forever always take in those kids? I would do my best, but that's a hard thing, you know. I I feel like taking the role of a stepdad is more than most people really think at first. You know, you're not just accepting this woman into your life you know or this man into your life you're also accepting their children and all the responsibility that that comes with Mm -hmm. and their quirks and kind of their ex-partners in many ways ex-partners and also you're kind of assuming that responsibility is dad you know are you ready to prepare this individual for the world yeah you know are you ready to really stick that much into this person that's i guess you know it's not even yours you know a weird way of looking at it but it's, it's at some deep biological level it's funny because 
that's what Kenzie and I keep coming to the realization of is like a lot of men and women feel differently about like taking care of something that's not like genetically yeah related to you, you know? So, but I mean like a, a really big role model in my life, a professor who came on not too long ago, he has adopted like two or three kids and he like works specifically with like at-risk youth or youth who are like, I, I worked with um, Jackson Street Youth Shelter, like, like by, by being under him and working with him while I was at college. So I'm like, part of me does get that. It's like, oh, whoa, this is really impactful and, and, and so, like meaningful in so many ways, you know? I agree there. And I just think for the right person, say, I mean, I personally could do it, you know? I think it just takes the right person who's open and loving, you know? And... <laughs> call a shot's called anyone who wouldn't do it's not open and loving <laughs> yeah. like i mean i thank my stepdad because he provided me for a while you know with a different life you know you don't really know that you want more until you experience it and Good point it's odd growing up i really resented my stepdad because he treated me differently than my siblings mm. but which I'm, were his kids which were his kids and my mom's but I was really thankful for like his father, who I consider my grandfather. Mm -hmm. His name was Remikio and my uncle Dan. And they were my biggest role models growing up, you know, in my family that's full of, I mean, just to put it blatantly, drug addicts. Not role models. Not role models. To put it lightly, drug addicts, to put it plainly. Just drug addicts, yeah. you know. It's interesting, you know. He, I remember being, I think, probably seven or eight years old and he came over and invited me over for the weekend and I go over to his house and it's full of paintings and wood carvings and it's all stuff that he had done. You know, it was, I had never really seen that in my life, you yeah. know, someone that's really into the arts into creating things. When you're worrying about food and, and stuff like that, you don't really have time to be like, I'm going to create something. A leather belt. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to woodwork. Cause <laughs> I'm woodworking, woodwork. woodworking is so expensive and takes so long. Like you have to be pretty well off before you even venture down that, you know? And so it was just kind of a different outlook. And also it struck me as totally contrasting to how I was raised. Because in my family, everyone's, you know, about excuses. I'm not going to get enough welfare this month or some injury or whatnot. And I look at this man, you know, who's one of my greatest influences growing up. And he's a firstborn immigrant, you know. Wow. He's like a first generation immigrant. You How know? did he make it out of curiosity? Um, so he came here. He won the lottery. <laughs> he came here, I think, when he was like young child, like six or seven. And they worked in the fields. And I remember him telling me uh, stories of 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 um, having to cut the holes or, or the fronts of his shoes because he was outgrowing them. Wow. And then having to put cardboard in the bottom because there was holes in his shoes. And his whole family like that, I think, had 14 siblings. So huge family. And, and um, he ended up making his millions in the timber industry. Interesting. Yes. And um, so I guess he was an extra role model because he had an upbringing that was more similar to yours. Like he wasn't just someone who's always had it. Always had it. Yeah. I mean, he came from absolutely nothing, you know, and did he talk to you in that way where he was like, hey, I understand like where you're at in life. I was also kind of there when I was your age. He was kind of um, a more quiet person. He was he was really instructive or like instructional, you know, he gave a lot of instruction. He was really quiet and stoic and usually focused on what he was doing, you mm -hmm. know. Here's how you start a timber company. Well, I mean, like, like that's such a big jump. Like, how would you even get into, I'm going to be in the lumber industry? Cutting trees. 
countries and you know what buying I mean? your own business. Like, so would your next step be like, you have other people go buy the stuff and you just post it and sell? Like, are, do you, are you looking at your future in that same way? Like, how do you get started in a larger, like a multi-million dollar uh, How do I you know, get empire? from local to global is kind of what you're saying. Yeah, or, or yeah. local and a, and a more cap. I mean, what percent of market share of even being local could you have? and become a millionaire it's like still pretty low like i don't even know if you need gold maybe with selling stuff Global, you totally yeah. do is that the just the direction because i just don't sell stuff like you've offered to like show me and teach me which has been very kind i just haven't had the time um but it's an interesting thing where i'm like everything i'm probably going to do for my foreseeable future will remain local but probably yeah. once you start selling stuff you do just go global i sell locally and globally um i guess just because convenience you know it's the easiest way to sell something you know if it's electronics i sell it globally because there's a mass audience if it's a bigger item like i just sold a dog kennel i'll sell that locally yeah shipping is a bitch shipping is a bitch yeah on really big items if it's smaller than a basketball it's not bad but yeah. i guess to revert back to your question about like uh we were talking about how he he made it big in the timber industry yeah I guess he came to like operate like owner operator of it and sold it and gosh, uh, sorry not to go on like a tangent here. Uh, no, I'm curious. I mean, the, the second you become the owner operator of a company, oh, yeah, sell it, li liquidate it and just yeah. take all the money out of it. I don't really know the full story of like when he retired. I know that he retired in like his fifties score. You know what I mean? He retired pretty young. Do you young. have a goal age of when to retire? Like I know someone who's like, I'm going to retire at 30. At this point, yeah. I don't think I ever want to retire from one thing, hmm. you know, or like from everything. From everything, yeah. From everything. You do want to retire from one thing. Yeah, from one thing, you know, like. But you'll always be selling. I'll always be doing something, you know. I really like sales because it gets, it's it's like that hit of dopamine, you know what I mean? It's like when you hear that ding ding in your mm -hmm. pocket and you know it's eBay and it's Money. a completed sold listing, you know. Yeah. You're in the old folks' home, like selling Viagra and condoms. Viagra, like, like condoms, you're living, right? For the rest of your life, you will be selling Condenture something. Condenture cream. Condenture cream. Dentures as a whole. Denture, like fake teeth. That's really cool. I mean, if anything, do you like, does it keep you awake at like, like, like I own crypto or like stuff that doesn't sleep, quote unquote. And I know it's like sometimes it's like, what, 1 a.m. And I'll be like, well, right before I go to bed, I'll check. And then it's like, you know, there's something about accessing something that could always change and have money or that dopamine hit. That's not really good for my personal mental health. Do you like not get affected by that or what? So I think moderation just with your cell phone in general is kind of an important thing. Yeah. I do this thing every single day where I turn my phone off. Wow. Turn my phone off. For how much of the day? Two hours. <laughs> for two minutes. Two hours. <laughs> yeah. No, just, I just reset it. <laughs> just two hours and I use the timer on my microwave. You know what I mean? And I turn it off. Otherwise, I'll just find myself just right back there, just checking emails. And there's a million reasons why. Million. And in the morning, I have to turn off all my notification sounds, except for my alarm that goes off. Because mm -hmm. the sound of notifications from eBay will wake me up before I'm supposed to be up in the morning. Yeah. And I'll just like hear it. And subconsciously, I'm like awake <laughs> in my head. I'm like, oh, fuck, there's sales Money. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I really have to just find ways to turn it off. And to know when it's time to look at sales, you know, like right now it's not time to pack stuff. It's not time to look at sales. There's time for that later. Yeah. I'll focus on that when it's time to do it, mm -hmm. you know? 
And so combining all the aspects of your life, like selling stuff and the fact that you did mine Bitcoin at one point, I'm so surprised that you would never go to a place like selling digital golds or digital goods that like multiply really easily. Like it's not like you're, you're every single sale, you have to like package something up by like, it's just so much more replicable, you know? That I would like to move towards. Same thing with like Amazon FBA. Um, that's where you take your products and instead of mailing out each individual product, Mail you put it all, all in a box and you send it all out and it's in their warehouse. Yeah. It's just for me, I started from, like I told you, just doing very half-ass Craigslist sales with my Kodak Easy Share. You yeah. know, I've not gone to school for this. And it's been, you know, at least half my Is there income. a school for this? Is there a school for I eBay I mean, selling? I was told there's like entrepreneur school now. Yeah. So, I mean. They're worthless. I went to one. <laughs> yeah, there's workshops and things they sell online. I'm just kind of figuring it out as I go. I like it. And it's just getting consistent on the eBay and developing a system for each thing. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, I guess, trying to develop a system like for the eBay and to get that streamlined and autonomous before I move into. Nice. Before I move into other things. Cause like, it's like with eBay, I have to package each, each and every item, Yeah. but it's lower fees. And one thing I've been utilizing as of recently is just hiring your friends and neighbors to pack up all your stuff and do the dirty work. Really? People are up for that? I mean, who doesn't want to get paid, f you know, 13 or 14 bucks an hour to sit and listen to reggae music and put tape on boxes. Good point. So you're packing up that many boxes at a time. So like, like you don't do like five sales in a day. You sell at the end of the day. You like wait till like a dozen or two dozen come in. Yeah. And mm. so I always put like four day handling time on my stuff. And mm. so I'll just wait, you know, a couple days until Smart. I have like 35 things to ship. And then I'll tell my friend, I'm like, Hey, I have all these things that need shipped. Usually I'll just put a flat price out there. I'm like, Hey, 20 bucks. Can you come pack all this stuff? Cool. And they come over, they get it done. Um, at this point, even listing stuff for sale is become kind of an autonomous thing, you know, Nice. most of the stuff I sell, anybody can take out their, uh, their eBay app and their barcode scanner, scan an item, uh, you click completed sales and you see what the item is sold for. Yeah. Say like today I sold some Dragon Ball Z flip flops from Walmart, <laughs> yeah. right? And I was at Walmart and I scanned the item and it said that in the last week, several have sold for $27.99 plus 10 shipping. Wow. Okay. And they're sitting at Walmart for how much? For 10 bucks. Nice. And the reason that's scalable, so if I just take those products home, I can have a friend do the same thing. He scans that barcode. Yeah. He snaps a picture of it. And on the ad that you search for, say the Dragon Ball Z flip-flop listing on eBay, mm -hmm. you click sell one like this yeah. and it fills out all the information for you. But how could it be like uh, passive? Because if you're having friends do it, the friends have got to see it and be like, oh, why don't I just do this for myself? Why? Because buying is the hard part. Mm, going to the stores and doing the footwork. Doing the footwork and being able to, I guess, identify products that you'd be able to make margins on. Yeah. Most people aren't walking around Walmart going, hmm, that pair of Dragon Ball Z flip-flops, yeah, I, I bet that's worth money, you know? Yeah. Or like... Um, do you get stuck with a bunch of items that don't sell? Like, do you just have like a warehouse of shit that you bought and you're like, like for probably from your earlier days before you had a good eye for it? And if so, do you just try to liquidate it somewhere? Like once a year, do you just like garage sale your own? There's 40 pairs of I Dragon Ball Z flip-flops. I would say like once every like six months. Yeah. And um, I do that. And with the way I price things... I price things really low. I pay for advertising because it's cheap. 
and I'm selective with the things I buy. You know, if I search up, um, say I've been selling a lot of charcoal toothpaste. Yeah. If I look up one brand of charcoal toothpaste and I see that only one is sold in the last two months, yeah. I can kind of assume that my return on investment time is going to be like really poor. Like that'll probably take me forever to rotate through that. Yeah. So I shouldn't buy a bunch, you know? It's like the, it's like um, I was buying some random caps for like a, a lawnmower at Home Depot. Yeah. You know what the, I mean? So you're like literally the, the most, most random, random things you could imagine. The most random shit ever, yeah. you know what I mean? Do you watch other people do that? It's funny, yeah. back when I lived up at OSU, there's like YouTube channels of people who like drive around at different places. Yes, and so I uh, I really like Reezy Resales, uh, Bonafide Hustler, um, and Walter Blake No Block. I started watching them in high school. Nice. But as far as just like holding on to items, I think you have to be quick to get rid of things. Just clog you up. Cause life's a treasure hunt, man. I mean, like I honestly have the problem now of accumulating things too fast. I bet if you're shopping twice a day at because, all those stores, you know, twice a week. I'm just constantly on the go, constantly, 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 just checking into thrift stores, yeah. to mom and pop shops. Is it weird seeing your net worth go like like up, but then you spend all this stuff and like so much of your worth is in like, well, do you ju judge of this? How much have you spent on items that you have like cataloged away in your uh, garage or a different room? Or like, do you say like, if I sell all these, like your net worth seems very kind of ethereal then on any given day. Yeah. So, cause it's, not that it's a metric you should live your life by, but it's no. interesting to keep track of, you know? It is. So, like, thinking that I only have, you know, $8,000 of liquid cash, but I have probably twenty, thirty thousand 30000 in inventory, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of a weird feeling. But at the same time, would I rather have that twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 in cash? Yeah, because then it's just sitting there. Or just sitting there. But And better yet. The price I spent on that inventory, sure, it's probably twenty, thirty thousand dollars in inventory, but I probably only spent, you know, ten thousand on it. Yeah. So would I rather have that ten thousand or that twenty, thirty thousand in potential sales? So I felt after a while. For a while, I was just storing cash literally in cash because I was like, I, I felt that like during early COVID, I was like, well, why would I trust the bank? Like some of the branches that I use are closing. I'm like, this is sus. So then after a while of just having it in cash, I'm like, oh, this is just wasted. This is wasted, yeah. It's like I tell people, so like one of my big sellers on eBay, not to give away secrets, okay, yeah. is VCRs. Still? VCRs, oh, and especially the combo players. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and it's like I tell people, would I rather have $1,000 sitting in my closet yeah. for two years or $1,000 in VCRs sitting in my closet? And I would much rather have the $1,000 in VCRs, hands yeah. down. Because after two years, that $1,000 in cash, I'm not going to be able to pay as much rent with it. Yeah. But I'll be able to sell those VCRs in two years for more than I sold them today. Wild. So isn't there like a, have you heard of that thing, how VCR, uh, the tapes only last like 15, 20 years, how like we're running up to a date where none of the tapes will play anymore because they're all just kind of degrading because they were all made 25 that. years ago. I did not know that. That's kind of a trip. Worth looking up. And same with like Blu-ray discs. Like there's certain amounts of like d physical media that they stopped producing so long ago. Like vinyls will be good forever. But like so many of these other things that slowly degrade, like a 20 year lifespan seems like, oh, this will be around forever. But we're in 2022 and they stopped making a lot of these like 15 years ago, you know? I didn't know that. And that's kind of interesting to think about. It makes totally sense or it just makes so much sense. I think regularly about like, so I'll be at a garage sale and I'll find this big box of like the, uh, of the recordable VHS tapes, mm -hmm. you know, 
And I'm like, I wonder how many of these actually exist out there, you know? Yeah, big time. Big time, or it's with any of that weird vintage stuff. I'm like, how much of this actually exists? But I think there's just always more. I mean, we pumped out so much of it in the 90s, 2000s. I think they'll be finding vintage crap for the next 20, 30 years. Well, I, I don't understand the vintage crap. And same with, like, the, the collectibles that, like, people, like, have in store. It's, like, I've gotten to a place in my life where I'm trying, like, I mean, you see our place. Like, this is pretty much all my clothes and everything I have. Purely because, of like, I got to this place where I had all these items and I just felt trapped. I was, like, trapped. why do I have so much stuff? So I've just been giving away or selling most of the stuff that I don't want. Yeah. Everything has to have a use now. It's like a lot of people like having items that it's like, well, it's just what nice to look at. Like It's just nice to look at. People, I think they kind of like identify mm. with items, you know? It's not it's not uh, Tiger and his vape. It's Tiger oh, with God. the vape. That's what I don't want. It's funny. Uh, so you were talking about addicts earlier. As Kenzie and I well, chief on nicotine I mean, here. Nicotine's a tricky one. Or just like a hat, for example. You know, it's not Tiger owns a hat it's it's tiger with a hat you know you kind of identify with your items yeah nostalgia is a big thing for a lot of people i'm a tapestry guy actually associated with all the time you really At, all over my apartment it looks Yo. like a, everyone says it's like a 1960s like flashback that's funny everyone calls yeah. me the Even opium on my den ceiling, i have four in my living room on my ceiling wow yeah. you might be one of the only other people i've ever met it's so much nicer and more comfortable i can't stand blank walls and I don't like the small pictures everywhere because it's yeah. too cluttery. Yeah, and you feel like you're going to bump it. Like, there's something about having stuff on walls. Especially, yeah. Like, why do people put shit on halls and hallways? And then, like, two people are going by, you're like, we're going to bump something I have off. a tapestry there, and that's nice. it. I don't like all the pictures. And I think, you know, the minimalism, back to selling, it's like I have kind of two contrasting worlds. I have my cluttered office yeah. full of shit, you know. I just have the big, giant uh, warehouse shelves all the way to the ceiling. In my in my tiny like um, eleven by fourteen office, I mean it's cramped, but it's all very organized. But it's like you turn around three sixty and there's stuff to the ceiling. Yeah, one room in my house I'm a hoarder. The other ones you're a minimalist. Yeah, oh, exactly. That's funny, man. Exactly, and I kind of have to to relax, you know. I bet. Yeah. I I need that just low stimulation. Just I can kind of relax in my living room or on my back porch, you know, with all my plants. That's my low stimulation. Just kind of relax time you know because i feel like i'm going 180 miles an hour do you ever take like a week or a month off i mean the items aren't going to go bad they can just sit there yeah and so that's one of my things i made a post recently i don't take days off i take vacations my biggest getaway i find doesn't even really take that much money at all it's just camping nice it's just around camping. here where do you camp so like that's uh, the real secret so like in august we went and camped for six days at Honeyman Park. Nice. We had to reserve our spots like six months in advance. Usually I go to like Clay Creek. Cool. Because it's like, you know, down like a single lane, 10 miles out in the middle of nowhere, but they have running water even. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool. Sitting out there selling stuff to frogs. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, can, you can completely shut it off as long as you're like on a week. It's funny because my life is starting to become like I work every day. Yeah, me too. Between like a job and then also doing a show it's like it's just this weird you're never off the clock and it gets yeah. tiring in a weird way doesn't it even though it's like maybe it doesn't add up to be all the work in the world not ever just letting it go kind of weighs on you it kind kind of but at the same time i feel like if you're really enjoying what you're doing there's not a whole lot else i'd rather be doing you know there's not a lot of other things i find as stimulating 
as the game of making sales. You know, to me, it's a game. It's literally, I'm running around. It's like a treasure hunt. Yeah. I'm scanning stuff to sell. I'm like, ooh, I can make 80 bucks on this. I'm surprised ooh, you don't video it. I can it. make 50 bucks on this. I'm kind of getting there. Nice. You know? I'd yeah. like to. You have the GoPro on your head and everything. But it's like time lapse it. It's like when you're really enjoying yourself and you can just kind of be in the moment more. I don't feel like I need too many days off because I just, I just enjoy it. It's you awesome. Know? It's cool to find something like that, man. Especially this sort of like a lot of people go through their whole lives. Kind of like if they do a retire, or have free time, they're like, they don't know what they like anymore. Yeah. And that's the thing is I'm, is like my life basically consists of a bunch of projects that I enjoy doing, Score. which result in me earning money. Score. The only thing I do outside of there, that's not like my own business is all DoorDash probably like 12 hours a week just to make myself get out of the house more and to drive around. Yeah. You know? Cool. Um, but like, I just enjoy what I do. And I guess if that changes in the future, if I stop enjoying it, maybe yeah. I'll shift gears. You feel like someone who belongs in like a, like a New York kind of place where it's just like, like you're literally living in like one of the quietest places where it's like you go around and everyone's just like, oh, I just garden or like do one thing. And you're just like grinding. You're like big city living in a small town. I guess it wouldn't even be big city, though. I just consider it like um, life's really short, you know. Like, Is it, though? Sometimes seem agonizingly long, doesn't it? No. I mean, <laughs> if I'm doing something extraordinarily difficult, maybe. Mm -hmm. But to me, days kind of just fly, you know. Mm -hmm. Weeks fly. Yeah. Months fly. You know, if I'm doing something really difficult, if I'm lifting weights, sure, that half an hour kind of stretches on. But it's like just... In general, you know, if I live till 100, that's 36,000 days, right? 36,525, wow. including leap year. And <laughs> but who's doing the math? Who's doing the math, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, I've and already, you're a quarter into that. It's the funny yeah, part I'm about being 25. You're literally a quarter in. And it's like, it's like, when am I not going to want to learn something new? It's like this summer I took up wire wrapping and paracord bracelet making. Cool. Just because I wanted to learn something else, you know, it's... I, I just get bored, I guess, sticking to one thing for too long. Do That's... you have, like, prescription Adderall? How do you have all this energy? Because, like, like, unless I was literally on something, like, an immense amount of caffeine or some sort of amphetamine or, like, thing that to give me energy, like, I'll have this much energy one day out of the week. You seem to perpetually have energy to do something all day, every day. Purely loving it's where you get your energy? No, no, no. I, I would say that getting my energy is a lot of effort, actually. It's... Mm. It's, it's, it's eating really wholesome. I take, I guess you could call them nootropics or vitamins. Ooh, what do you take? I take um, ginseng, ginkgo. <sighs> I take um, lots of B, uh, like B complex and liquid. Mm -hmm. I take, gosh. My, my Instagram story right now is a picture of a ginseng thing where it's like, does anyone else take this? Because I'm really like, I've bought way too many of them. And I don't really take them that often because I'm like, some, if people say they feel like caffeine. Yeah, it does. It feels like it caffeine to me. Nice. Same with, yeah, ginseng and ginkgo together. They kind of give me that like stimulant effect almost. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's healthy eating. I, uh, for the last, God, six years, I only plant-based and only as of recently, I just started reintroducing chicken and salmon into wow. my diet. What started the plant-based for six years? Um, Having IBS and just having the shits all the time. Yeah. You know, just having like poor digestion and... So you were like McDonald's, like non, 
I wasn't like meteor. McDonald's, but it was, you know, like hamburger helper, you know, just totally. tons of like rice based stir fries and nonsense from the store, you know? Yeah. Basically how I was raised, you know, um, having a consistent diet and also like forcing myself to go to bed every night Yeah. is huge. Yeah. Um, and also working out's a really big one, you know, because if you, it's like if you make yourself just for a little while work at 200 miles an hour. 180 is going to seem slower. 180 is going to seem slower, you yeah. know. And part of it is just, I guess, almost like fear and anxiety. Yeah. You know, it's like fear and anxiety because it's like I make these commitments these promises to people i make these bold statements and 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 the worst thing in life i think is is doing that and then not following through you know i can't be the guy on facebook who's talking about eating healthy and making these big life changes and then behind the scenes you know i'm eating i'm eating mcdonald's yeah and just doing those things consistently eating eating healthy I guess taking vitamins, yeah. you know, just kind of the old thing they tell you. Yeah. You know, if you want a list of nootropics to take, just Google nootropics to take for energy. Like, Did you start taking them all at once? And if so, how do you know, like, which ones work? Do you, like, have you slowly started accumulating ones? So I have a huge medicine cabinet, and I try to not take any more than, like, six pills a day. Oh, so you just rotate through them. I just kind of rotate through Smart. them. Um and I feel like it's just kind of like a little added boost. It's like when you're playing Super Mario and you, and you like eat that kind of mushroom. And, yeah. I dig it, man. You know, there's, I mean, it's just staying consistent and really having a goal in mind. Yeah. You know? How much do you sleep at night? Do you, are you someone who like doesn't sleep much because you just have like all this thoughts and energy and want to do things? So if I don't sleep, I'm like, I'm just an asshole. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just an asshole. I, um, it's kind of weird because it's like that cognitive dissonance of like, I could stay up for two more hours and I could post like 25 things for sale. Yeah. Or I could like just go to bed and I could probably actually post those 25 things in only one hour in the morning because I'm fresh. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of having that mindset of I could stay up to do more. But really, I could go to bed early and do more and more efficiently. You might be the healthiest mindset and everything person I know, man. Like, I mean, for example, we stayed up. We we have such a horror. Like, we're up till 3 a.m. Last night, I slept 14 hours. It's great. Just because, well, kind of. I still feel tired because, like, a couple nights of, like, five or six hours of sleep. And, like, I know people who only sleep, like, four hours a night. I'm like, how do you do this? I would have figured you'd be one of those people. I, I was that person for a while, and I just noticed kind of feeling just like a starting my day with an empty battery you know i wasn't really sharp i wasn't alert i was just kind of autopiloting more yeah not really being like in the moment as much being able to like think critically really analyze like what's going on around me i was just kind of droning you know mm -hmm. just kind of in that survival mode of four or five hours a night going to my fred meyer job doing the DoorDash, trying to make the yeah. sales work and it's like you're just more efficient i feel mm -hmm. if you sleep Totally. And so do you have like a, a future in mind where you don't have one of these other jobs? You just work for yourself. Seems like you're almost the whole way there. Or do you enjoy having like a day job and doing these things on well, the side to grind? I hope to get to the point where I don't have to. Well, I hope to get to the point where I have a wide enough variety of, of my own businesses to where I don't feel bored yeah. just doing those yeah you're like one of those six in six uh, passive incomes person 
No, three or four. Three or four. Three or four. You killer. It'd be hard to keep track of, honestly. Like three. Yeah. And it's not even passive. You know, I put pretty constant effort into That's all That's what of people them. don't get. Everyone's like, oh, passive it's income. passive. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm constantly None of these things. Yeah. Them. It's even, not passive. Even like owning real estate is like not very passive. Like unless you have a client or a tenant who like lives there for like five years. And you're still like, doing maintenance and so much fixing stuff. clogged drains. And, yeah. Um, Crypto is pretty much the only real passive income, it sounds like. Like back one, when you were mining Bitcoin. I've kind of jumped out of, I kind of got tired of it. I kind of got tired You're of- tired of the most passive one. I got tired of the ups and downs and the swings of it. Uh, there's this interesting thing. It's either called alpha or gamma. I forget the word in investing. It's basically if you invest $1,000 into a company, right? Mm-hmm. And say it takes six months for that company's value to double. So you'd make $1,000 profit. Mm-hmm. Are you better off just taking that $1,000 and going and hustling with it Yeah. and getting more of a return that way? And I think if you could double your money in six months, I think that would be like the most, that'd be unbelievable. Because imagine if you had $100,000 that you were investing it with, that'd be $100,000 in six months. that's assuming you have that much to begin with. And most people I feel totally, totally don't. Yeah. They don't. Like in my position, it's like now, sure, I could go invest like all my money into Bitcoin, all my liquid cash into Bitcoin or most of it, six grand, right? And say it's the price today is $46,000, right? Yeah. So say in two years, it doubles in price optimistically. Yeah. Two years. That six grand will turn into 12. 12. But for this next few months, I'm not going to have any money in which I could go to stores every single day. And you're just pretty much investing in yourself. So you don't hold any money in any like assets. You just hold your yourself and 800 bucks in Bitcoin. You know, at this point, I sold all my stocks. Uh, right before everything crashed back in like February. Because of COVID or did you just get lucky on the I timing? I kind of got lucky just following Reddit and Facebook groups. Everyone's like sell, sell, sell. Back when Bitcoin was like in the 60s, I yeah. think like 60,000. I sold I sold what I had left at like 49,000, which is about what it's back up to again. And I remember it dipped down to like 30,000 this Oof. last few months. Yeah. I love Bitcoin. I love the idea of cool. letting your money passively grow. And, and if you're in the position where, say, you have 40,000 bucks in the bank, you know, yeah. or even 10,000, you know, yeah. and that's just going to sit there, I would definitely say, you know, take that could, money out, grind, grind. No, you got to get up and sell. Hurt. It couldn't buy hurt. items. <laughs> it couldn't hurt to put a thousand bucks, you know, into Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah. Or 800. Or 800 yeah. or 500, you know. It is weird seeing like money, like lose $300 on a day, but you didn't spend it on anything and you didn't do anything. Like, so you're saying that was like what was taking the biggest toll on you was just seeing like you're working, you're like tracking your wealth. And then all of a sudden there's like a big downswing to it. Yeah. So just, so I've been doing this seven years now and I've seen it rise and fall several times doing this, you know, and that's like a huge amount of anxiety. And for me, I have, I guess, just like an addictive personality as it is. So we all, so, and for me, Bitcoin was just a really addictive thing, you know, especially with all the hype and the media behind it. Yeah. And I kind of just had to just put my hands down after seven years of going into it and kind of fritzing about, I made my chunk in my earlier twenties spent it on being a dumb 20 year old yeah classic and right now you know if i find myself with a larger sum of money than i have now say in two years 
And putting $2,000 down on Bitcoin, you know, that's just a hair off my chin. Sure, I'll do it then. But mm. for right now, I'm making a faster return on my investments buying fucking VCRs. Yeah. You know, I go buy a VCR for $5 or for $10 at St. Vincent de Paul, and it sells that night on eBay for 60 plus shipping. So it's like with Bitcoin, I don't see that type of return, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel it. It's that just quick. such a funny world. Like I think of that and I'm like, man, if I could have like a thousand dollars in Bitcoin and I wouldn't have to do anything so I could like focus hundred percent of my money on other things or take money. I guess like in many ways, like buying cameras and stuff is investing. It's just like, this is fascinating. Like listening to someone else who's on a different side of like selling and grinding and working and making money. I feel like you just have ways. to have more confidence in your money making ability. You know, if you're someone that doesn't have confidence in their money making ability, you like, yeah. okay, if I take this thousand dollars and I'm going to go buy a uh, Mountain Dew and bang energy drinks totally. and weed and Siggies. Siggies. <laughs> then yes, of course, maybe you should put that in Bitcoin. So yeah. it like forces you to be broke. Yeah. You know, there's something too not like how, like that money's not mine. Like that money's put away. Yeah. Where that's what I've realized. Cause I used to like buy and sell stocks and I was like, Oh, well this money I could always take out. But now like now that I just have money that I edge away and I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't have that money. It's way healthier to have look because then when it goes down, you're like, well, I'm not going to sell it anyways for three years. For or three how, years, you yeah. Know? That's like the way I have to have it. Otherwise, I get that like, oh, what what am I going to do? You know, and then I'm like, you just have to put it off your plate. Otherwise, it just, yeah, much like buying items earlier in my life, like I've just to, to try to carve out my mind space where I don't let things in it. Where I, like I don't think about that because that'll take up 10% of my thoughts that day or like the time, energy and thinking ability, you know? So I'm like, I don't know, man. I applaud you for having all the energy to, to sell stuff. We hit an hour. Do you have anything you want to promote? What? An Crazy. hour already? Unbelievable. Um, You're just getting going. But we can do this again sometime. Fuck. Um, who do I want to promote? I guess just find a goal and go for it. Read this fucking book. My um, hold a higher, yeah, yeah nice. Here, Score. Yeah. Um, it's Ogmandino, the greatest salesman in the world. He's mentioned it a few times in his podcasts. I would seriously consider giving it a read. Um, drop your bad habits and try to make some new positive ones. Try. You know? It's it's a slow process. That's one. The first chapter, I'm like, I'm a different person. I am, and then after like the next five months, I've like fallen into some of my bad habits again and lost some of the good ones. I'm like, oh, it's an active everyday thing. Yeah. It's tough, man. It is tough. You know, it's like that energy drink in the corner of the room. You're like, oh, God, I really. You have a Red Bull right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. And you're on chapter two, which is, to, I'll greet this day with love, love my, my heart. heart. And yes. right behind you, love is my religion. It's, I have that tapestry. I never put it left for anyone because I'm like, but you know what? This is the perfect time. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank that you very time much. time just flew by. Wow. Flies. People like talking. I like, honestly, yeah, it's I love just, talking. we just don't do it anymore. People don't hang out and talk. And so it's a joy. Thank you very much for coming on the show, man. Absolutely. Appreciate buddy. it. We're kicking it. All right. Peace out, everyone. Peace out. Damn, we just won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that was a blast, man. Thank that was much. really cool.